so excited you're along for the rise. Here at Rising, we talk all things manifestation, life purpose, and more. Join me in today's episode as we rise together. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Rising. It is your host, Nista Dubay, and I am here today with a special guest, Camille Martin, who is a dietitian and as well as the CEO of Love to Lose, learning how to love your life and lose the weight. Camille, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell our audience yeah. more about what you do. Okay. Thank you for having me, by the way. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I'm Camille Martin. I'm a registered dietitian and I started my business Love to Lose, which stands for Love Your Life and Lose the Weight. Um, It is a really, the whole business came about after, you know, 25 years of my own experience of dieting, um, dieting, losing, and then failing and um, over and over and over again and suffering with a lot of um, body image issues and um, yeah, just fanatically dieting, never getting anywhere. Um, so it's my it's my baby that I've created and that I want to use everything I've learned to help other women to get out of that trap and not have to stay stuck in it for as long as I did. Yeah, and that's amazing. And I think that there's so much conversation coming out nowadays about this mind-body connection and how it influences sort of the way you view yourself and also how you appear. I know we were just chatting about that off air, but I'm curious for you, when was that experience when you really discovered that connection and realized, hey, maybe my routine doesn't have to be as restricted as society is making it seem or, you know, the nutrition weight loss industry is making this entire Oh, yeah. Well, for me, when it happened, um, it was probably in my late 20s after I'd spent so many years, starting at age 12 actually was when I started dieting. Um, And so after that many years, even throughout college, I actually had an eating disorder at one point, but I had been putting so much pressure on myself and putting myself through such emotional and mental misery that, um, and never getting anywhere and really like waiting to live my life until I just lost those same 10 pounds that I tried over and over to lose. Um, I remember it very clearly. I was sitting on my couch in my little apartment in Atlanta. Um, and I was, I started crying and just said, you know, I I can't do this anymore. I cannot keep subjecting myself to this torture. And, as much as I had desperately wanted to lose those 10 pounds um, and as much as weight was such a psychological, um, it, it was such an obsession for me to do it. And it really had taken over my life. I decided at that point that I would rather quit dieting, quit trying to lose weight and just see what happened. And I fully expected to gain more weight, but that would have been preferable to the misery that I was inflicting on myself. Um, so I decided that day I quit. I'm, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to quit dieting. I'm going to quit trying to lose weight and monitoring every single thing I eat. Um, and, you know, I really thought I, I'm, I was a, an emotional eater for sure. And I thought I was probably going to go off the rails and just binge eat and it was going to be a disaster. But the opposite is what happened, which was just truly, um, it was just like a complete liberating moment for me to know that what I was actually doing was keeping the weight on me by creating all of this resistance and all of this fear around food and resistance toward my body. Um, 
So once I released all of that and there was no more resistance, I felt lighter and freer and I wasn't restricting what I was eating. I just decided whenever I'm hungry, I'm going to eat whatever I want. But the difference was, is that what I wanted started to change. I didn't want, you know, a bowl of ice cream or a carton of ice cream. I didn't want a bag of M&Ms. I started to enjoy food. I started learning how to cook. It was just a revelation. It was wonderful. And um, that was the start of a new journey for me where weight no longer became an issue. I mean, I still fluctuate, but it's not something, I know that the weight shows up outside from what's going on inside of me. So, um, but yeah, that was really my aha moment. (laughs) Yeah. I think what you said at the end was really powerful where it's more about what's going on internally. And I think that that is still sort of what needs to be reframed, at least on my end um, in society today industry, because I know we were just chatting briefly about my experience, which was, you know, uh, you know, never really grew up struggling with body image issues. But, you know, when I was in college, I kind of did fluctuate in, in terms of like would have phases where I would work out heavily and then I wouldn't. And I was telling you about my junior year of college where I joined the fitness classes and it was just such a cool experience because it'd be a ton of girls. We'd just be like working out together and there'd be music and lights. And it was such a fun thing that I looked forward to going to it. Um, and I remember so many of my friends were like, how do you work out every day? And I'm like, I don't see this (laughs) traditional working out. I love it. And I don't step on a scale afterwards. I wasn't restricting anything. I was still letting myself go in the morning and treat myself to like my Dunkin' iced coffee with caramel. Like there was no, you know, sort of restriction going on there. I wasn't counting calories, which I noticed Mm -hmm. around me were, and I just noticed such a drastic change in my own body. And I think I always you know, as I said earlier, I didn't struggle with body image issues, but I grew up always kind of being insecure about having like wider hips and wider thighs. Cause I was a dancer growing up. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so there was a lot of that, like muscle development over just like street, uh-huh. you know? And so it was interesting because like, when I got to college, it, it was like, I got very toned and I started embracing that. And it was like, I was viewing my body differently as well. Mm-hmm. I was changing my relationship with food and everyone around me was noticing. So I'm interested in hearing from your perspective, like why do you think that happens and why do you think this internal component is so important well i think the first thing to recognize is that it does come from within um because we're usually so focused on we're looking at our bodies what's on the outside and hating what we see and obsessing about what we're seeing which creates tons of resistance Um, and then all of that resistance that you feel inside you are going to neutralize that with either food or alcohol or, you know, shopping or whatever it is. Um, So what you have to address first is that know that it's coming from inside of you and the dieting culture. That's why diets don't work. One of the reasons is because it just keeps perpetuating that feeling of failure. You're dieting keeps you staring right at the thing that you're trying to get rid of the thing that you don't like. So when you have all of that feeling inside of resistance towards your own body, um, it's never going to change. So, and there's another element to me that is really important to convey to women everywhere is that we are so bombarded with messages of how inadequate we are, that what we look like is wrong. Um, But it even goes, if you, if you take a step back from even all of that, Um, It comes from this whole um, cultural belief 
that we've been we've been like brainwashed to believe that our looks are what we have to offer that you know it's not just that we don't measure up why are we even focused on that it's because that's what we're trained to do so when you believe that what you have to offer is what you look like and you're going to keep distracting yourself for the rest of your life trying to fix yourself from the outside in the best way to fix it is from the inside out and recognize that when you stop um, speaking authentically when you stop living from a place of joy and what you really want out of your life which women are we're really trained to not even focus on those things i don't know about i'm 51 so it was a very um it was very ingrained into me early on that my goals were limited to get married and have children, which there's nothing wrong with getting married and having children. It's a beautiful thing. Um, but that was really the only option for me is what I was, that was communicated to me. So my biggest goal was I was taught to look good, be, be sweet, be quiet, look pretty, be thin. And that's what I did. I spent the next, you know, 25 years trying to make it that way. So the, all of that is a roundabout way of saying, if you can find your own joy, set your own goals, find something that you're passionate about and start really um, connecting with those things, the weight will start taking care of itself because then you no longer have to fill some void, you know? That's incredibly powerful. And like, as I'm hearing you talk, I'm just realizing this problem stems from decades ago. And it's something that we're aware of, but I don't think we realize how deeply ingrained it is in our society of why, yeah. you know, women feel this way so tremendously and why these eating disorders do come up and why body dysmorphia is so much more common than women. And of course, these conversations and what we're talking about, I just want my male listeners listening to this to know oh, yeah. this always exclude the men. Well. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just think these roles are so deeply instilled in our in our subconscious minds. And I see it on social media all the time. I'll see it on, you know, girls' comments on TikToks or Instagram where it's like, oh, you're wearing too much makeup. Right. You know, from the research that you've done and the work that you've done and the clients that you've worked with, how would you just recommend listeners who are listening to us right now to start shifting their own internal thought patterns? So, um, you know, and, and we don't want to come from an angle of toxic positivity, but like to just start to get rid of those more negative thought patterns that are holding us back. Um, where do we start with that? Well, I think um, one of the biggest things um, that keeps women hating what they look like and feeling such resistance toward their bodies is that we hold physically that resistance. Like, um, you know, you suck your stomach in, you sit in a chair in a certain way so that your, you know, your cellulite doesn't show or you're posing in the picture and you're trying to make sure <laughs> that your arm, I'm doing a little, um, you can't see it, but I'm, I'm doing a, a visual, uh, you know, trying to stand so that you look better or look different. So all of that, you're holding it in your body. And my, one of the things that I did for myself is I trained myself and it was really hard. And sometimes I still struggle with it, but I trained myself to walk around in my house without sucking in my stomach without, and it sounds like, Oh, well, that's really stupid. I don't suck in my stomach, but you try it for one day to totally relax and walk around. You will be shocked at how much resistance you actually normally do hold wow. in your body. So when you start changing that and just you know, you can breathe. And um, I mean, I feel like so many women are just, we're walking around like this, our shoulders are hunched up, we're, we're taught to be small, we constrict ourselves in our own bodies. So if you can do that and practice that, um, that goes a really long way, I think. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. I'm going to try that starting tomorrow. Cause I didn't even realize <laughs> that of like how much we might just be subconsciously doing it at home right now. I'm literally sitting on a chair as I'm talking to you and I'm noticing myself already. Like oh. my stomach is naturally sucked in and I'm like, wait, I didn't even realize that until you were speaking. And then I'm like, why is it like yeah. that? That's so we're weird. used to it. Yeah. yeah. So it's um, hard to go from like, you can tell people, Oh, love yourself the way you are. You're beautiful the way you are. And we know that we're supposed to feel that way, but that's too big of a leap. So the first step is relax in your own body. Yeah. Like love is so sad. It's like, now I look in the mirror. I used to avoid even looking in the mirror. Like I don't even want to look at myself. And now I'm like, when I get dressed in the morning, I just feel so peaceful. I look at myself, like blow dry my hair. And I'm like, I, I'm so happy. I love myself so much. I'm so proud of myself for everything I've come through, all of these traumatic events in I'm still here and I have two beautiful children. Like what a disservice to me as a woman and a human being to stand there and go, oh, you know, I'm picking myself apart and I still do it. I, it's not perfect, but yeah, that's a great way to start. I think. Gosh, that's beautiful. I'm so glad you mentioned that as well in terms of like, I know it was instilled in you to kind of only get married and have children. And you're, you're kind of at this place now where you're like, I'm doing it all. Like, look at me yes. and I'm still loving myself on top of it. I think that's amazing. And I'm happy you were able to reach that yeah. place in your life. And I also think that what you said is so important about how, you know, we, we have all of these cliches going around in society of love yourself, you're beautiful, et cetera, et cetera. I see that all the time. And I see that in comments as well on social media where there's a really beautiful girl and all the girls under it are commenting like, oh my gosh, I wish I looked like you. Why don't I look like that? You know, and obviously Aww. like they reply with like, you're beautiful the way you are, which is obviously always coming from a good place. And I know that right. it's just like women trying to lift up women. And it's amazing to even see that. But like you said, your subconscious mind will reject any sort of positive affirmation. Mm -hmm. if you haven't worked through that inner healing and trauma. And that goes for anything yes. that goes for manifesting way beyond just, you know, body image or, or, or losing weight. Um, that goes for manifesting success in life or love Absolutely. in life. If you haven't healed. It's not gonna, your subconscious is going to be like, Oh, okay, cool. Objectively. I know that's where I should be, but mm -hmm. I don't how am I that's, gonna get that's there? your head part, but it's got to sink into your soul and you have to do some work to make that happen. You know, the example that you gave to us today of just like walk around your house without like stiffening yeah. up is just a very or, small baby step to getting yes. in our world today. We, we often talk about intuitive eating. So mm -hmm. how, how do you see that? And how do you think someone can start to implement that into their lives? If they're listening to this and kind of having that shift of like, maybe dieting isn't the way to go. That's it right there. Stop dieting. If you're dieting, you can't listen. Intuitive eating means that you're listening to what your body needs. And if you're dieting, the only thing you're doing is setting up a fear-based relationship with food. You're not supposed to eat this. You're supposed to eat all of these things. Um, you're supposed to throw out everything in your house and change everything that you eat. It's um, you cannot, it, it's this whole mess mentally of um you're just setting up a negative relationship between you and food so first is stop dieting just quit they don't work they don't ever work and just accept it and stop um, the next thing that you need to do um or that you could do that helps with that is start cooking more and i grew up in a house nobody cooked my mom didn't cook my dad didn't cook so i thought I hate to cook. And when I quit dieting during that time where I was having my revelation of I'm going to stop dieting and whatever, um, I started to cook a little bit, but my meals consisted of nothing but um, 
just some pasta out of a box and some, I think it was like bag, you know, that frozen broccoli you can just get in a bag and heat it up in the microwave and a little bit of salad dressing. But I swear that was like, I was so proud of myself. I made a meal. It's, you know, kind of yes. a, kind of a sad, <laughs> a sad little meal, but I cooked. It made yeah. me feel like, wow, I can do this. And then I kept, kept doing more and more of it. And um, the more you start taking control of food, that helps you eat more intuitively. Um, yeah, then it stops controlling you. So once I stopped mm -hmm. all of this in my mind and all of this craziness, and I started experimenting with food, it's easier to tune in to your, to your intuition and your inner voice that says, huh, you know, let me try this. And then all of a sudden, like what you were saying with the law of attraction, you start, you know, go to the bookstore and you're like, oh, look at that magazine. That looks like a fun, you know, something about cooking. Maybe I'll pick that up. You start attracting these things to yourself that help you make changes that you need to make. So you don't have to, you know, quit dieting and then, you know, become a gourmet cook, but just gradually start, just take a breath, just relax. You know, um, yeah. that's how I did it. Yeah. I feel like the biggest takeaway for me from what you said is you're taking control of the food rather than the other way around and understanding yeah. that you have that, um, you know, like sense of agency over what you put in your mm -hmm. body, as well as you also mentioned another component, which I heavily talk about in, in the work I do, but it is listening to your intuition and inner voice. I always talk about that in terms of finding your purpose and your career, but yeah. I, I love it in this context because I also think that when you're constantly restricted by all these external forces or you're putting food into your body that may be a little bit low vibrational and more, you know, oily, or, um, you're consuming mm -hmm. more alcohol, which is totally fine. We have these phases of binge eating and allow your body to feel what it wants to feel. But mm -hmm. those types of more lower vibrational foods do kind of end up, um, not to get too scientific, but they do end up kind of decalcifying or sorry, doing the opposite of decalcifying your pineal gland. So they're kind of blocking that. And your pineal gland is actually um, sort of the center to your intuition and your inner voice. Oh, wow. See, yeah, so way, we're way beyond me. I didn't even know any of that. So thank you. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. When you meditate, you decalcify your pineal gland so that you can allow that intuition mm -hmm. to grow stronger. However, wow. when you put these low vibrational foods into your body, it's kind of clogging it up and not recognizing. Yeah. And so I find that interesting when you're like, I'm just taking control over my own diet and that's allowing me to hear my body better. I think that what's also untalked about in this whole industry is that your body has its own intelligence. Like we mm -hmm. kind of view your body as solely this like functioning machine that we're in and, you know, our mind is separate and our soul is separate if you believe in a soul, but I see it all as in, we, we have to bring it into harmony and, in union. and when we're in the most, um, sync with all those three components that is when we can we can hear intuition that is when we can make decisions that lead us in the right direction and this applies yes. to anything and so I think that that's the importance of just allowing yourself to like listen to what your body needs and treat it as more than this machine that you're in but express yes. gratitude to it and start showing love to it and whatever that means to you you don't have to mm -hmm. think you're the most beautiful person ever you can ignore those cliches for now but just start mm -hmm. to find what showing love to your body means today. And I think that the example that you gave with like letting it breathe is just beautiful. It's a step one thing. It yeah. might be a little bit hard to do. You might find resistance, but that's sort of where that learning curve comes in when, if there isn't resistance and it's easy for you to do, are you really healing and are you really learning? So maybe mm -hmm. find those challenges that are a little bit difficult and try and do them and to give yourself nice. maybe a timeline. Um, and I think that that ultimately will, will go a long ways. And I, 
think that you and I both still to this day, like we still struggle with it, even though we've had these journeys of like understanding the mind body connection somewhat. Um, but it's an ongoing process. So always, yeah, yeah, always. Well, and I think something people forget too, is that we don't just have this one body and that's it. And we're stuck with it. Your body will heal itself. It's constantly rejuvenating. And mm-hmm. that to me is based entirely on what you're feeding it mentally. Um, yeah. So like, I love yes. that you're going deep like this because sometimes I, I don't practice privately anymore because I would start to talk about some of these things and women were like, yes, I love this. I love this. And then by the end of it, they were still asking me, well, tell me what to eat. Give me the two week. And not that the, there's nothing wrong with that. I totally understand that. But I feel like the message that I want to bring to women and men, sorry, whatever, um, what I want to bring is something that you have to absorb over time. It takes a lot of time to keep hearing these messages over and over again. Um, yeah. It's not about the food. It's about, it's, it's all like holistic as a buzzword. And I know people start, you know, they turn off when you hear the buzzwords, but it is, yeah. it's about your mind it's about how you think it's about your soul and by the way intuition i didn't listen to my intuition i mean until probably a few years ago and now that i am so in touch with it i can see over the course of my life i could name all of these instances in which my intuition was asking me like one time my intuition actually i heard the question in my mind are you going to be okay with this for the rest of your life? And it was, you know, the person I was dating that I ended up marrying and we're now divorced. Are you going to be okay with this for the rest of your life? And I weighed it and I said, yes. And I should have listened. I should have listened, except for I have my two beautiful children. But if you, you can't tune into that, if you are constantly stressed, if you're feeding your body crap, if you're, you know, drinking too much or smoke, you're throwing your body out of alignment um, and incapable of tuning in to what your soul is trying to express to you. So, yeah, yeah, that's so powerful as well. And I think there's just a few other points there also with intuition. I think that can also be some the, the sort of like woo woo esoteric buzzword for some people as well. But intuition yes. is actually just, again, aside from the pineal gland, it's also tied with all of the, the nerve endings in your gut. That's also your intuition. Yes. We, we call that like, Hey, listen to your gut feeling. And every, I think almost everyone listening to this can agree. Okay. They've had a gut feeling about something and it's mm-hmm. always been right. Even if they haven't made a decision that's like reflective of that, it's like, damn yeah. it. I knew my gut was right. And that yes. is also something that's tied in with your nervous system. And that's not talked about either of like how much overlap there is between the, the science and the spirituality part and how it proves that having the synchronicity is really important. So um, I find it fascinating as well that at the end of your client sessions, you notice these women still being like, well, tell me what to do. And I think that in itself, like internalizing th- this mindset shift in these conversations, it takes time. There's almost you know, we can hear things that sound good to our ears, but to internalize it, our subconscious will still reject that until we Mm -hmm. go through the experience of like, oh, that makes sense now. So um, it's cool how you had that like thought of, okay, maybe I shouldn't do a a private practice right now because like Mm -hmm. there are other ways this message can be spread more effectively. And hopefully for those clients who did have those conversations with you, they can have those experiences on their own to where they can think back and be like, oh, that's what Camille meant, you know? Yes. Because it's about living through it. I think that for both of us, we were able to be like, oh. Yeah, you can't just tell people what to do because it's going, you know, it's, 
um, yeah, you really have to absorb it. And um, yeah, and if you, it takes people's power away, I feel like to give them, here's your eating plan. Like you have power, really and truly, we all know what to eat. You know what I mean? Like, it's not some big yes. mystery. Um, <laughs> so, um, and I know it's not easy to always adopt new eating habits when you are used to doing things a certain way and life gets in the way of that. You have, you're a student and you have tons of classes and you eat on the go or you have small children. You don't want to make five dinners for everybody in the family. I mean, things happen, but um, you have the power. It's just food you can make small, small changes are better than big changes that don't stick or making no changes, you know? So it just takes a little bit of time. And incidentally, whenever I would say to people, you know, I want you to get a journal. As soon as I said, get a journal, like their eyes would glaze over like, "Mm, I'm not journaling or, you know, meditation. It's hard for me to meditate. I need to practice it more. I try but I'm a very like go, go, go type A personality. And so I feel like I'm not doing it right or there's something I need to be doing differently. And it's, which is why I need to do more of it. But um, yeah, these aren't woo woo concepts. This is really, it's life. It's, and we're so, it's shocking how tuned out of life we really all are. We're busy, we're working, we're doing all these things and we're really, we're just like hamsters on a treadmill and you wake up and you're 75 years old going, what did I, what happened? You know? Yeah. Um, it's a scary yeah. thought for sure. <laughs> it is. Um, but you're so right. And I think that with journaling and meditation and taking walks and doing yoga and all, all these things that we talk about to maintain this like holistic, you know, maintain our holistic well-being. I think it's, these things are so much easier to not do and gloss over. I had a guest earlier in my podcast who, who said that point, his name is Bijan Pusti. Uh-huh. Um, feel free to listen to his episode for anyone listening, but yeah, he said that these things are just so much easier to not do than do. Mm-hmm. And that's why we we forget to do them. And I think it's also like, as to your point, we're not going to notice some drastic change after one meditation or one journal right. session. And so it takes right. consistency and discipline. And if you don't see the value in it, it's like, what motive do you have to commit to that? So yeah. um, for me, I finally just now started noticing like peace with meditation before it would be so difficult for me to do it. And Mind you, I've been doing guided meditations for like a couple of years now, um, past awesome. the past year, more con- incons- or sorry, more consistently the past year, inconsistently before the past year, but I'm only reaching a point in my life now where I'm like, oh, I'm actually not having crazy intrusive thoughts. And it feels weird That's to funny. not have that. And uh-huh. so it takes time is the point that I'm trying to make here. Mm-hmm. It's harder for me to be mindful when I'm eating, which is interesting. Um, it's easier for me to do now while meditating, but when I'm eating, it's not like I'm giving my food the attention that it needs. So yeah. are there any tips that you have just to be mindful when you are kind of eating and how that plays into the whole digestion process? Yes. Well, I believe I can't prove this, but I believe that how you eat your food, there's a direct relationship between how you eat it, what's around you and your surroundings, what you're thinking about and your ability to, to take the nutrients and digest everything so that it's at the best benefit for your body. So in other words, um, if you sit down in front of your laptop while you're working, you throw together your lunch, you sit down and you're eating while you're doing something else, surfing the internet, or even sitting in front of the TV. You're not paying attention to what you're eating. You definitely cannot eat intuitively if you're doing these things. So what happens is you eat way too fast. You eat 
um, you're not even paying attention to what you're eating, what it tastes like. You're not getting a full experience of the food, which is what you have to do if you want to take control of how you eat, the way that you eat. So if you sit in front of a laptop and you're, you know, downing your food, all of a sudden it's, you know, five minutes have gone by, your food is gone and you're like, I'm still, you're not still hungry. You're just going to keep going and looking for something to keep filling that void. So you really, it's hard. It's a hard habit to break because I used to do it too. And sometimes I still do, but now I'm used to, I started making myself get up and walk outside and sit on my patio or at least just get away from the laptop walk sit in a different spot actually than you normally do if you sit in the same spot every time you eat you need to change spots go go somewhere else so that you can be like oh wow get a new perspective and um definitely don't sit there with your phone and i promise you it's so unbelievable you'll sit there and go wow this tastes really good or this is the crappiest meal why am i eating this like i need to eat something that that makes me feel better i'm feeling myself with this but anyway you're not paying attention you're not being mindful and it affects the way your body um, is able to use the food that you're giving it so yeah and it's interesting because like my mom will always tell me that and be like put your phone away while you're eating and sometimes i'm really good about it and other times it's just like there and i'll be scrolling with one hand and so um i think it comes with with the whole process of understanding that we're human and these behaviors take time and these habits take time to form and settle in um i also think that scientifically i believe that you should chew your food for 20 seconds before mm-hmm. swallowing, just kind of like more more statistics and factual things. And I, I think that also, um, I was just chatting with you about this. Correct me if I'm wrong, someone in the audience who's listening, but um, I, I believe that there's like a, a two part component to like digesting your food. One of my friends who's um, right now a pre-med working to be a doctor uh, told me about this, but obviously there's a component of the food just innately being healthy in itself and being high vibrational, but there's another component in terms of emotionally how you're responding to the food when you're digesting it. And I believe that plays through the hypothalamus fact check me again, if I'm wrong guys. But, um, so I I think that's just another really interesting component of like how much emotion is tied in and Mm -hmm. being mindful. Um, I know in one of my neuroscience classes last year, our professor had us do this exercise where we actually paid attention to the texture of our food in our mouth and the taste of wow. it. And it was like, I've never even done wow. that. Yeah. Like, I'll do that with like candy. Cause it's just, you know, it'll be yeah. in your mouth for a while, but with your everyday meals, it's just a really interesting thing. And I, I yeah. think that that's where I have trouble slowing down. It's with eating. Cause I'll just mm-hmm. see it as something oh, yeah. I, I think most of us see it as something we have to do unless we're yeah. out with our friends and we're really enjoying a meal, but you know, how often does that actually happen? Um, yeah, our so. whole culture is set up to meals or just let's get through it here. Check, please. I lived in France for a year and um, I'll never forget. I worked in a hotel and at noon every single day, it's lunchtime. The whole hotel, the front desk shut down. Don't even come in here. And we had lunch from 12 until 3, 12 till 2 was the lunch. And we just like grazed. They kept bringing these yummy dishes. And from two until three, it was rest time to let your food digest. Wow. I mean, can you imagine? Like, <laughs> it's three-hour lunch, you'd be fired. You know, it's just crazy. We need to, yeah, we need to wow. change Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting because even... That, that's insane, first of all. And that's really cool that you had that experience. And funny because we're here in America and we're having all these like 
corporate culture conversations about authenticity and intuition and holistic wellness, but I'm like, they're living it. We haven't done the things to reflect that. Like, sure, mm-hmm. we're having these conversations, which is step one and it's yeah, really important. One, right. And we're providing these tools and we have these books and really cool resources, but it's like, have our school systems and have the corporate workplaces made the changes. And to your point about the three hour lunch and, you know, you would get fired in America instantly. I know (laughs) friends who've had like 15 to 30 minute lunches at their jobs and having an hour. I worked a corporate internship last summer um, or two summers ago, and we had a whole hour and I was like, wow, this is amazing. An hour of lunch. Cause I'd heard heard of other companies not having that, but then to hear, and even in my experience witness, you know, France and Spain, it's like, no wonder they're happier. They don't have yes. the pressure. Yes, they are happier and they live longer, I think. Yeah. I'm wondering if Camille, you have any just like last closing thoughts for our audience? Cause I think this was just filled with so many gems, but yes. I'm going to leave the floor to you. Okay. Well, in terms of dieting, I just, or food, what I want people to know is that it's not about the food. You, you had asked me like, what's the one thing um, that needs to change? And in my opinion, in terms of nutrition and the, the nutrition and health part of the industry is that we're too focused on food. We're too focused on how many grams of fat or calories or carbs, cutting carbs, you know, all of these crazy things that are just focused on food. And we're being distracted by all of that, like running around in this forest, chasing after different trees, when what we need to do is step out of it and know how you eat is more important at the beginning than what you eat. If you change how you eat, the what you eat will start to transform. So that's the biggest thing I would say. It's not what you eat. It's the way that you eat first what you eat is important, but not first. (laughs) No, thank you, Camille. That was amazing. And just for, you know, listeners who are really resonating with this conversation and want to reach out to you, where can they contact you? What are your social handles? Yes. um, My website is Camille Martin RD. So RD like registered dietitian.com. And I actually wrote a book last year called love your life. uh, Watch the weight lose itself that you can get there if you're interested um, my social media handles, I'm on Instagram as Camille underscore Martin underscore RD. And forgive me, I'm, I'm new to social media as of like two years ago. I'm way late. And um, I just got on TikTok and my children think it's so embarrassing <laughs> and hilarious. But I'm on TikTok. They're all similar, I think. Camille underscore Martin or some form of Camille Martin RD. So you can look for me there. But um, And please email me. My email is on the website. So if you have any questions about anything, I'm happy to answer them. Awesome. I'm going to put all that in the description so people can reach out to you and say hello. Camille, thank you for this conversation. This provided so much insight for me, learning so much from, you know, you and the work that you do. So it's really cool to be able to share that with the listeners. I loved it. And you helped me too. I learned a lot of new things from you. Well, that's what this is about. So I'm glad. Um, But yes, Camille, thank you so much. And to our audience listening at Rising, thanks for tuning into this episode today. And I will see you guys on our next episode here at Rising.